1: isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. Uh, special update today, looking forward to speaking and welcoming back regular guest Lieutenant Tim McMillan. Tim, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Hey Andy, what's going on man? It's great to be here.
1: Yes, and we're looking forward to discussing your bombshell article is probably a cliched term by this point, isn't it? But um, it dropped and caused quite a stir. This was on the debrief.org Sex, Lies and UFOs, the Pentagon's Head of Counterintelligence and Security ousted. Um, I'm going to stress from the offset, while to me and many, the UFO subject is as serious as it comes, um, there were several other serious aspects to this article, including allegations of sexual misconduct, among other things. But the podcast here, we focus on the UFO topic, so If there are other aspects of the article that people think I never dug into enough, then that's not what I'm really looking to discuss. Not that these things aren't serious, but they still might come up within the the general topic of the conversation. So just for anyone who thinks I'm I'm avoiding certain things there, I would encourage people to go and read the article themselves and obviously make up their own minds. Um, So the article dropped, Tim, on April 14th. The link is in the description to this show. Um, And you said yourself online this was the culmination of a two-year investigation, Take me back two years, and how did this begin for you?
0: Sure, and yeah, I mean, you, you hit the point good there that there is a lot of factors that are in play here, besides just UFOs. And uh, this is a very interesting ordeal for me because it was one of these events where all everything accumulated together, <laughs> you know, a bunch of varied factors. And in fact, this started, uh, you know, almost, it may be even over two years now. Um, you know, people that I knew... In the intelligence and defense community, you know, totally separate from the UFO topic anything like that, uh, have been talking about this individual, Gary Reed, who was the uh, defense or uh, director of defense intelligence, counterintelligence, security, and law enforcement. That is the whole title. Um, but it's an extremely powerful position. It is, um, without hyperbole, the most senior uh, DOD official for counterintelligence, security, and law enforcement worldwide. So I mean, very, very powerful position, arguably, you know, much more powerful than a lot of the the principals like the Secretary of Defense, these people, because they come mm. and go. And so, uh, you know, they had, ex- you know, people had expressed significant concerns about this individual to me. And again, these are people that I'd known for years, you know, from the past life of law enforcement in that world, or just through family. And it wasn't until I started writing and and entered a a journalism career that they're like, you know, this is something that should be brought to light. And uh, largely because they felt like the official systems that were in place had failed and and were failing. And uh, they felt like the individual was getting away and allowed and condoned behavior that should be unacceptable in a workplace, including sexual harassment and just Hostile work environment, you name it, and so I had started looking into him about that. In particular, the, the sexual harassment, inappropriate sexual relationships, that kind of stuff, because you know it's a senior public official. <laughs> that's you know, and, and the people who are working there are describing a really horrid environment. And so, a people shouldn't have to put up with that, and B, as a U.S. citizen, you know, we're, we're supposed to hold our officials accountable, and it's hard for. It's hard for us, you know, it's hard for the government to do their job effectively if the employees feel tormented. <laughs> and so you know, freedom of the press, try, trying to make things better through shining light on it. And so I started looking into it in that regard. And it wasn't. I mean, it was months into it. Um, you know, it may be even close to a year. Did I because for this whole time, you know, I've been writing articles on on what was going on with UFOs in the Pentagon and everything. And I had it had never occurred to me. I knew that it was the Undersecretary for Intelligence office. I knew that Luis Elizondo had come out of that office, but I had always assumed that uh, his last position, which was National Special Programs Management, wouldn't have. Fa- I don't know why, <laughs> and whether I just didn't think of it enough. Uh, I assumed that that would have fallen under a different compartment of USDI, and that Gary Reed wouldn't have been his boss, but just. In the course of investigation one, I, in interviewing uh, Elizondo on another, for another article, I just mentioned, hey, you, you, did you, you worked around Gary Reed? Do you know him? And that's when he revealed that was his direct boss. And in fact, uh, you know, started revealing that actually this was a person who was the executive secretary, you know the ultimate person in charge of the UAP task force and the, the later UAP follow on offices, you know all books stopped there, and in fact uh, he didn't get into much detail initially, but described that he this was an individual who had really made played hell on his life since leaving and, and largely was responsible for all of the um, you know contradictory statements that have come out from UAP about him, his role a tip, and everything and so I started following up that, and lo and behold, you know was able to find. People that will corroborate that and then also even document evidence like uh, I mentioned in the article, the the Air Force Special Investigations report, where you're looking at it going, yeah, this doesn't make sense. This absolutely corroborates what he what Elizondo is saying and other people are saying that uh, this person is targeting. Elizondo he, he's intentionally trying to go after him and uh, using administrative terrorism a, a term I used many months ago that maybe makes more sense to people now and um, and then while doing all of that uh, in in the Pentagon's infinite wisdom they put this individual in charge of the Afghan refugee crisis group which was uh, he was now in charge of the withdrawal and evacuation of all Afghan refugees and um, that All of the disaster that went on there is still being officially investigated by the Pentagon and everything. I think for most people who remember those scenes last August, you know, some of them really disturbing scenes of people hanging on to the landing gear of plane. You know, I I don't think that we need a whole lot there to to realize that that was a complete disaster. (laughs) And so behind the scenes, when I started looking at other people uh, who worked in special operations, that type of field really were expressed it, it was highly emotional they were really upset and, and felt that he had really impeded a lot of progress there and they they felt that he him himself uh, bore a lot of the responsibility for the 78,000 uh, Afghan refugees that were left behind and so it was just it just kept mounting <laughs> it kept mounting and uh but again, you know, trying to do because this person was significant power, because there there's big ramifications uh, for, for all of this, wanted to make sure um, I did my due diligence and everything. So I was still kind of actively working on that and, in fact, uh, was in the process of uh, with attorneys trying to sue to get his emails and, and phone records released because they had obstructed that for two years. and. Um, before we published anything. And then lo and behold, uh, I heard, you know, uh, I heard, Hey, he's been removed. Like he just got dismissed. He is no longer the, the, see, he's no longer the director of counterintelligence and security. And so suddenly, um, <laughs> it all kind of came to a head at once at that point. And, and one okay. other small detail I left out of there, Andy, is that I was, a, he was specifically named, in the inspector general's uh, complaint filed by Luis Elizondo. Like he, he was kind of suspect number one at the top for uh, his, for Lou's complaint and why he was filing that complaint. So he had all of these things <laughs> just made this huge misconduct salad.
1: Just to clear up then before I ask you about uh Lou Elizondo's complaint to the IG and that's good you've cleared up there he was the kind of suspect number one at the top of that Uh, Jazz Mm -hmm. Shaw fellow journalist had had mentioned online that Gary Reid was potentially still employed within the DOD Mm -hmm. can you clear that up for us as to what Gary Reid's position currently is if indeed he still has one
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was yeah, that was an interesting situation. And I'll clear up a couple of points for people um, because, uh, you know, this one bleeds into even my article because a lot of times you will see news outlets, including myself, including this article, will um, mention officials without naming them. So you'll see them say, you know, senior officials, either they're speaking on uh, with anonymity or you'll see the phrase often used where it says speaking on background. And so that statement that, that Jazz got and put out was on background. And uh, the way those background statements work is it's kind of, it, it's a it's a contract between a journalist and somebody else um, that where you're just giving them some contextual information, but you're not supposed to cite them. And so that, I say all of that is because it was mentioned that this was the public affairs office that provided this information on background. I absolutely (laughs) believe that is correct. However, they did not intend when that statement was given, it was not intended to be attributed to public affairs whatsoever. Um, You know, This may seem odd for people, but even in the public affairs office, there are statements that are in my articles that are attributed to a senior defense official that is actually from public affairs, but they don't want it attributed because they don't want when they attribute something from public affairs, they're speaking on behalf of the entire Department of Defense, whereas on background, they're just trying to clarify. So the clarifying statement that he got was that he was still currently the director um by all accounts that is not a false statement okay and (laughs) the reason i say it's not a false statement is because we i stand by everything in the article and in fact if you go back through the article itself everything that i mentioned is that he was dismissed or he was ousted Uh, i never said that his employee his employment was terminated as of yet i may have said that on twitter and that would be my fault but uh but not in the article itself. It goes through the editorial. And even, you know, we tried to clarify, has he resigned? Has he been placed on leave? Has he been dismissed of his responsibilities, which is ultimately what the case is? um, Or or what's the status that they would, they declined to comment on that. So when they say that he is still currently there, that's not incorrect, but he has been uh, dismissed of his responsibilities as director of defense intelligence which means at this current point, he's doing what What uh, this, is, this is extremely common in, in the Department of Defense, especially in a world where it almost literally takes an act of Congress to fire people. This is what's called flying a desk, meaning that he has no responsibilities. <laughs> he may still uh, be obligated to attend management meetings, that kind of thing, but he has no staff. He has no responsibilities. He's basically getting a paycheck to show up this is the uh, Department of Defense, though not limited to them. This is almost all government, even state, local, municipal. This is their way of, of saying, look, you need to quit or resign while they go through the, the red tape and rigmarole of, of sure. trying to make sure all of their I's are dotted and T's are crossed uh, to terminate someone. But the, the ultimate goal there. Is they want that employee to resign because if someone freely resigns, there's no recourse, meaning he can't appeal a termination. He can't come back and try to say he was wrongfully terminated because he willfully resigned. So it's this way of kind of making it very uncomfortable and wanting someone to resign. And then there is also the, in this limbo stage, there's also this kind of um, remote chance that someone can be reassigned. And that just basically means that somebody, in another high level position has to say, "Yeah, yeah, you can come work for me. You can come over to my office and they get put over there or they get, you know, another way of prolonging that flying a desk is they uh, reassign somebody to a really horrible, crappy position, <laughs> anything they can do to try to get them to quit. But, but in terms of him being uh, dismissed from his responsibilities there um, in that position, everything that that's, everything said in the article is absolutely correct there. There is currently an an acting director that is uh, working in his stead uh, now. And in fact, um, the majority consensus that I've been told from, from within that sphere is that this acting director may ultimately become the director. And there's some dissension there, but that's Neither here nor there, but just to clarify all of that, no one's no one's lying, no one's misrepresenting, including the DOD. Um, it, it's just uh, I've, I've said this; we probably said this in past interviews. I think people who are only interested in UFOs, uh, if nothing else, in the last four or five years, have gotten a crash course in government bureaucracy and how the UF government works. And this is just another one of those weird components to it.
1: Yeah, that's how I feel at times, and I still have to get my head round. And I, I get listener emails and comments and DMs of, actually, it's not this, and they'll correct me on the the nuances of the policies yes. or the parties. And it's it's something that kind of it's like computer RAM; it goes in my head and goes back out when I don't need it. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't even take too, too much of an interest in UK politics, let alone US. <laughs> I kind of know what I need to know. So, people like yourself clear that up for me, which is which is great. Um, you mentioned before that uh, he was named at the top of Elizabeth complaint that is still going through the system. Um mm-hmm. for those that might not remember or haven't heard, if they're newer to the UFO Topic or podcast, can you just refresh us quickly on on why Luisa Elizondo has an official complaint going through government? Sure. Yeah
0: um it, you know, May of last year uh Lou through his his attorney um filed a complaint with the Department of Defense Inspector General's office. And for those who are unfamiliar, this is the office who works as the independent oversight agency. They're in charge with investigating misconduct, administrative violations, also evaluating programs. You know, they're just they're the watchdog, but they're independent. And so he filed an official formal complaint with them uh, in which he was uh, alleging that both uh, disinformation related to the UAP topic and himself and, and his role with ATIP. Uh, he was alleging threats and, and malicious uh, retribution against him after coming out and disclosing ATIP and uh, the UAP topic. And uh, all of these things being violations and you know things that... Um, Are both unethical against policy and in some cases could be illegal depending on exactly to what extent and so he filed that formal complaint in may of 2000 yeah may of last year 2021 he did that right on the heels of when the inspector general's office had also announced they were doing conducting a formal evaluation of how the how the dod is handling the uap topic in general so both of those, to my, to, to my knowledge, are still active and going on. The the IG's office, uh, I did reach out. They uh, declined to comment, which I expected. They will not comment on active investigations. And uh, everyone, you know, it still appears to be a relative mystery as to what ultimately got Gary Reed ousted, even though for anybody who's read the article will see that there's a lot of misbehavior. <laughs> there's a lot of bad things that should have gotten ran off a lot earlier. Um, but what actually ultimately did it at this point, um, everybody is, is is a little in the dark on, and they, and they don't know. However, the, the general consensus is is it uh, could very well have something to do w- with Lou Elizondo's IG complaint. Now, whether that directly relates to the UAP topic itself or not, I don't know. Because like people have said, uh, you know, the IG has a lot of power. They can come in and and. Look at all your emails, look at all your text messages, you know, they can dig through everything. And so the the potential exists that uh, they could have uncovered a lot of other misbehavior that we haven't even heard about yet. And that could be what led to where the situation he's in right now led to him being ousted. It could be solely based on Elizondo. You know, at this point, it's it's really unknown. It could be Afghanistan. Uh, You know, it's that's (laughs) with this one. (laughs) If I had to speculate, I'd say it's probably a, t- a totality of all those factors.
1: How is this going to impact Luella Zondo's complaint going forward, if at all?
0: Um, it really won't change anything with the IG and their complaint because the Inspector General's Office, though they have broad authority to, to investigate these things, um, they don't. You know, they'll make a determination. They'll make a recommendation in terms of how something is or a situation should be improved or handled, or or they may recommend punishment for employee, but they have no authority to enforce punishment. So they can't say what's going to happen or not. So in terms of both Luis Elizondo's complaint and the current evaluation of UAPs, it will have very min- minimal to no impact in whatever they have remaining to do. They'll keep doing their job and keep investigating it. Um, as is until that's closed or resolved. So it won't it won't there won't be any major impact there.
1: Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencaster's Creator Network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencaster's mission is to make podcast advertisements as easy and accessible to business owners as Google or Facebook Host read ads like this are the most effective form of podcast advertising Zencaster works with podcasters to help create unique to them ad spots that create brand awareness and conversion Zencaster's creator network is the perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favourite creators like me that's the number one. Or click the link in the description and fill out the contact information so ZenCaster can help you bring your business story to life. I've seen some people commenting online. Uh, John Greenwald was one who, when was asked about this conversation, said the, the lack of sources was something that put him off. But he was going to foia it going forward. Put put those requests in. But she would expect he would do it. It's what he does and does it well. Um, why is it so difficult to get anyone to go? Public with something like this, and as a journalist, is there a frustration when you have to put an article out where you can cite no names?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, no, it, that's a good question. So, it, I think first of all, I'm going to answer to the first idea that uh, if anybody's put off by it by by the fact that there's not anybody specifically named in it, um, I said this, uh, you know, I said this online, I said this before. If you go through that article and objectively read it um absolutely none of the behavior absolutely none absolutely none of the allegations require anonymous sources absolutely none and you know the anonymous sources are represent the you know comprise hours and hours and hours of, of interviews or conversations i have i've had with dozens of individuals and so you're getting a peek into kind of uh you know what's going on behind the scenes to, to as I'm going through this investigative process, but those conversations, those quotes, those information is all used throughout the entire article uh, as as color commentary or just providing you context of that background. But in order of forming an opinion about uh, the actual events themselves, you know, if I broke it into three parts here, which I did in the article, sex lies and UFOs, uh, the sex and lies part, you can. Uh, you know, all of that is contained within the DOD's, the IG's official investigative report. You know, it, it was quoted as such. And in fact, uh, we didn't uh, initially include that report so that anybody could read it for themselves simply because uh, you know, truth of the matter is, is we, we, we don't run a document archive website and there's server space. So maybe that's me being a cheapskate. But at the same time, you um, you know, I handed it out to, to anybody who asked, and I think subsequently both um, Stephen Greenstreet and Brian Bender have published it. So anybody can read it. So all of those allegations, all those mentions, all of those uh, quotes from witnesses during the, the sexual harassment uh, or the improper sexual relationship, that's, that came from FOIA. <laughs> you know, that's the paperwork. When we look at the um, allegations of, of Lou Elizondo and his IG complaint, um, First and foremost, there was some some inclusions there uh, from somebody who was very close to that situation, but couldn't be named regarding uh, the the acts of retribution against blue. And people can take that or leave it. But at the same time, that's why in the core of that, I included a the the OSI report, which, again, had already been published. I had already published that with Vice news two years ago. that's already been published. It's out there. But, but demonstrated through that report, A, OSI would not have had jurisdiction unless they were told that these videos were classified, even though that was demonstrably not true based on other FOIA documented information. And so uh, but they were under that impression. And then if you look at that report, you see where it describes that it's the, that at the conclusion of it is being forwarded back to the action party who initiated had them investigate, which is OUSDI and the head of OUSDI security and law enforcement is Gary Reed. <laughs> you no, know, these are facts. They're, they're, they're there with the paper. You don't need anonymous sources. Uh, when it comes to the Afghanistan withdrawal, you know, I kind of touched on it when we just mentioned it, but uh, again, you don't need, if, if you don't want to take what the sources said uh, at face value in terms of uh, how Gary Reed influenced the withdrawal process. That's that's fine. No hard feeling. Uh, but you can freely, anybody can Google it. And in fact, I um, in the article, they are hyperlinked. Uh, you can look at, you can either watch or read <laughs> the, the Pentagon press briefings going back to August 2021, and you can listen to Gary Reed himself being being addressed as the director of the Afghan crisis group and explaining exactly what his role is, exactly what the group's role is and what they're doing. So you don't need those background sources to to form that opinion. And uh, none of them gave a, gave an, a uh, any sort of factual interpretation or opinion of how successful the withdrawal was. We provided those facts for a report that was released by an independent NGO. Even then, like we just mentioned, I think most people remember those chaotic scenes from August 2021. They remember those people hanging on. Do you really need that to say that it was a disaster? And so uh, and in terms of Lou's I.G. complaint, he was named on the record. So the person who was who was actually filing the complaint, the person who uh, is making the accusations against him was quoted on there. He is named. So. I understand that. I, I do think that people um, oftentimes will, will use that as a cop-out. Um, but in terms of how, when you're trying to report on national security matters or defense matters, in terms of how I have used uh, unnamed sources in this article in and on other instances, um, it is nowhere near the, the same degree that you'll see even mainstream media outlets do it daily. They frequently do this. Um, everything, when I use them... They whatever statements they make are almost always corroborated by hard document data facts, like I just mentioned, um, or they're corroborating known established facts, like the Afghanistan withdrawal. They're not dependent solely on that whatsoever. Um, I guess the the overarching thing there would be. Uh, yeah, but the, the Pentagon on background. So so, again, he, even though it was inadvertently named uh, that it was a public affairs office, is saying that he's still employed there. And the bulk of that idea that he's been dismissed from his position is only come from background sources. Well, the idea that he's still there has come from a background source. So the Pentagon still refuses to give that official explanation. Um and so even if you don't believe that he's been dismissed, that's fine, all in dandy. It doesn't negate all the other information in there. So, so I guess the, the downside to that, if you don't want to believe that, is he's still there and, and he still has this position. And based on everything covered in there, that's not a good thing. But you just can't. I mean, it, you to report on national security matters, you you either have to make a decision not to do it. Or you have to be willing to rely on people that by the nature of their job uh, can't go on the record or they are not authorized. to. So they're speaking to you, but they're really not supposed to um, to give you information. Or, as I mentioned earlier, there are plenty of occasions, more than people would ever uh, realize in which that information has come directly from the public affairs office. However, they are providing it on background, asking not to be named because it they don't want it to be attributed as the position of the Department of Defense, which is what public affairs is. So when you attribute it to them, now it becomes the Department of Defense's statement. But rather, they're willing to uh, provide you with additional information that they are clear for you to publish. It just needs to be attributed to senior defense officials. So that same, uh, you know, under that same um, banner, they're, they're there could very well be p public affairs officials who are named as senior officials in this report but you're obligated under the same same deal that you do with anybody you you got to respect that condition and and just leave it at that but you know you you're 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 going to get that but i think in this particular case uh out of all it was it's kind of interesting because i think if you look at the core message behind all of that you you can go in and redact all the the an source and the information itself still best stands <laughs> still there
1: i was going to ask a question that a listener tim staley also sent in as well and it's a great question so i'm going to use his wording is there any evidence from the reed investigation to suggest that non-government actors or journalists were fed nefarious info by gary reed or susan Go, goff sorry or other ousdi staff to advance the smear campaign directed at Lou Elizondo and potentially control the narrative
0: Sure. So, uh, you know, that's a great question. And uh, to to break it up into a couple parts. So one, there were people who who, who talked to me, who some of which uh, were in a position to know firsthand. Uh, A couple of them absolutely would have had firsthand knowledge of this, who said that clarifying statements uh, in terms of uh, some of the UAP statements that have been issued or in particular Luella Zondo's role with ATIP, um, they were provided to public affairs and yet they never came out. And so at the end of the day, public affairs, even though it's been provided with employee A uh, at the top of the food chain and all of this is Gary Reed and he has, as the senior executive, he has the authority to tell public affairs, no, that's not accurate. That's not what we're going to say. We're going to say this. So you have that. And I think that uh, they're definitely... I would say I heard from, from more than a few people that I, I trust, I consider to be entirely reliable and, and absolutely have no doubt they were in positions to to know that information, said that Gary Reid went out of his way to influence those statements that were being issued by public affairs. And so uh, you have that. Uh, the second part of that, which I think kind of touches on is that question, is could some of the... Criticisms, the critiques, whether they've come from journalists or you know, just media pundits about Lou Elizondo or UFOs, could they be seeded out by Gary Reed? You know, could he have been doing that as well? That I don't know. I will say that it came up on multiple occasions, you know, both with me asking people who who were involved in the in, in the situation and inside the Pentagon and you know i got their opinions which their opinions were that's absolutely something that could be possible but it's just opinions you know i didn't i wouldn't write that in the article cuz it's just opinions um so that's always the same exact way that that i'm getting information from individuals and they're speaking to me off the record or on background could likewise mr reed have been doing the same uh, to other people sure i mean that <laughs> Some people are talking to me. He might have been talking to other people as well, trying to influence that idea that, um, you know, to just discredit or diminish, diminish it. And some of the in particular, one of the most prominent uh, critics that uh, is himself has a past history of that <laughs> is a disgraced journalist from the field who, who was caught, you know, sharing information for a major corporation um, at their behest uh, and influence in the media. So it's, it's not, I guess the ultimate answer to what is a really good question. I do not have any hard proof of that. There's certainly lots of suspicious uh, areas there that make you raise some eyebrows, but, but not nearly enough that I could say for a fact that's going on.
1: On that same tone, would it be safe to presume someone like Gary Reid would be clever enough during his time and position of authority to surround himself by like-minded thinking people? Those people would still be in place, and is there a chance there that could then hamper further progression on the UAP topic within the halls of government? And is this potentially the first of more, I'm going to use the word firings, we know Gary mm-hmm. Reid hasn't been fired technically yet um if that does indeed happen he could be moved on but is there a chance that more people move on from from those positions that are obfuscating things
0: sure there's always that that potential and, and quite frequently i mean that is what you described about surrounding themselves with like-minded people or their their inner circle is absolutely what goes on it's uh overwhelmingly how mr reed got the position that he was in you know there was certainly significant evidence to uh, that you don't just need my opinion or what other people's opinion who told me, but if you just read his, his fact sheet bio, which is on the internet um, it seems very impressive to people because uh, he had a very, he had a very lengthy career in special operations, which in all fairness, uh, everybody spoke highly of him during his time in, in military and as a special operator. They, they had a lot of respect for him. I only, and then something changed when he got to the Pentagon. And so I, I don't know, him back then and i've only heard the bulk of what the pentagon but in fairness to, to and being objective here i heard good things but if you look at that in terms of the positions that he later held and went on to even though it's extremely impressive to be a navy seal or a green beret or an sas operator and and these people are highly trained and highly skilled that doesn't necessarily translate into a counterintelligence executive or counterintelligence field they're they're One's a trigger puller and and kicking in doors and another is somebody that's influencing policy and making decisions. And so a great number of people said he was unqualified for that. And uh, a great number. um, And I think you can kind of circumstantially conclude that to be true is is as you look at the hierarchy of who was his boss when he was first hired and who was their boss. It all becomes the same. In fact, all of them were former Green Berets. All of them were former Army Special Operations people. They all had worked with each other at certain points in time. And so uh, could it be said that likewise uh, in, in carrying on that kind of chain that, that uh, Gary Reed has extended his, he extended his hand out as he went up the ladder and pulled up his people? Uh, pro- Absolutely. You know, and, and it's probably highly likely. Uh With all of that said, I think when somebody at this high level position is is ousted from that position of power, um, it certainly sends a message. And it's very interesting because uh, there were certain people that I talked to during this who I would say there was a good amount of evidence that they, too, were a a bad actor at times. Um, But when the heat was on, they blamed him (laughs) They were like, no, no. He's the, I'm a victim. He's the bad guy. He's the bad guy. So self pre- self preservation and self survival often takes over, especially in a highly political and bureaucratic world like this. And so I think it boils down to uh, if individuals, even individuals who may share the same kind of uh, idea that a UAP shouldn't be looked into, b Elizondo's an asshole and you know he deserves to be punished, if they feel like that. Those views could themselves come back on them. Uh, they very likely are they're much less likely <laughs> to, to act upon them. And I think uh, by publishing this article that that accentuates that, the realization that not only could could that type of thing come out uh, publicly, but as we already know, this is a, a issue that, that Congress has been willing to speak on publicly and pass legislation on. So you know that lawmakers, I would say that uh, for anybody remaining in those positions, they would have to know going into it that that it could be, it could be very bad for them if they were found out to be just continuing on.
1: Um, was the AOI MSG an effort many saw as a cynical response to the Gillibrand Amendment, which many saw as progression in the subject of UFOs, UAPs, something that Gary Reed did and encouraged to to obfuscate the subject. <laughs>
0: I, I would say that in my experience, and in my experience, not just with UFOs by any means, but just in government in general, I would say absolutely. Uh, you know, the timing of the announcement of that office uh, was, it, as we all know, came two weeks, you know, after the Gillibrand amendment was uh, was proposed, and so this is, you know, absolutely a way of getting ahead of it before it passed to say, so when it passed, it's, you know, it sets this condition that outwardly looks like once it's passed, hey, we've already got it here. you know, We're ahead of the curve. We're, we're on board with you. Um, that's just not the attitude and disposition that you see with the DOD, particularly when uh, you're talking about an entirely new program office that hasn't existed before. If they didn't start it up long before now, the idea of Congress forcing them to is not something they're going to be happy with. And so uh I would say absolutely that was that was an attempt to get ahead of that amendment and make sure that they had a way to influence it and ensure that uh how it was maintained, how it was run was was how they wanted it. And uh, you know, I I know for a fact that, that Gary Reed was assigned he was the executive secretary. So he was the top of that pyramid there uh at that office uh, up until his, his removal. And so Again, it would just would have, you know, that I highlighted that in the article and because I think that that is a, a, a point that people, both the public and Congress should be aware of, because we know that both both public and Congress w- were saying this is an issue they wanted to see taken seriously uh, and, and behind the scenes. So even when you had the UAP task force, at the end of the day, top of that pyramid was always Gary Reed. And this was somebody who um, there's certainly, uh, there's certainly enough information, hard brass tack information to show that there's misconduct there. Uh, He'd even been found guilty of misconduct there. Uh, But then there's also a lot of other supplementary information to say that the topic of UAP and in particular, Luis Elizondo was something he was antagonistic towards. So you have to ask yourself, are you going to be successful when you've got (laughs) the same person who's uh, compromising their position running this? And, and, um, you know, even if it, uh, You take out a lot of those things and just look at the misconduct. Uh, Are you going to have an effective office run or is it going to be run under the same manner that we saw with the Afghanistan review (laughs) withdrawal? Something that they knew was going to be very public. So uh, to answer that, I'd say I'd say, yes, it was an attempt to try to get ahead of it and control it. And um, it it this sends an interesting message uh, on that now for him to be ousted
1: how important is this development for you for those of us with an interest in UFOs and pushing the topic forward or not the topic, but the progression within
0: government? Um, You know, it's one of these things where I'm always tempered where I'll just say, well, time will tell. Uh, I would say at face value at this point, uh, you know, it's pretty stunning to see somebody in this level position be, be removed uh, and, um, you know, that alone is, is really shocking. You, you typically just don't see that happen. And so that alone, I, I would say that, that there's definitely the potential there for it to be positive. Uh, it's just hard for it's hard for me to really speculate and say it's going to be super great news in particular for your listeners who are really interested in the UAP topic because I don't know we don't know as of yet who's going to take his position. Uh, we don't know if the person who takes his position will uh, view that his ousting will view the influence that UAP topic had on it. How significant it was outside of the fact that I think that the uh, the, the people who are interested in UAP topic, the people, UFO Twitter, you know, your listeners ha- have, have overwhelmingly demonstrated uh, from an international audience you know, over the last couple of years, that this is something that they want to see taken seriously and they're going to continue to ask questions and push and and force the issue. And so therefore, anybody going into that is going to, you know, that even if, uh, you know, if you're going to try to close that office down or, or, or come out with your own version of the, the Condon report and say that there's nothing to it, I think that they recognize that they would have to provide significant information to substantiate that, or Congress and the public is not going to be happy with that conclusion.
1: I want to finish on just a couple of listener questions uh, with you, Tim. The first up from Nathan, is there any impact to Louise Elizondo's potential re-engagement with the UAP task force or AOIMSG, whichever kind of ends up taking over?
0: Yeah, yeah, honestly I don't know. <laughs> uh you know, I know uh you know some people have wondered that particularly because Christopher Mellon wrote an, an op-ed, you know, at the end of last year um yeah. to that effect. Why has he not got his job back? That kind of thing. And so, you know, with the person who, who who definitely appears to be the the biggest antagonist against him both personally and the topic, could he receive his job back? I I, I don't know. Um I honestly don't know, and I'll tell you what, I'll extend that and give you my opinion, Andy. Yeah, please. And whether I think that would be a good thing or not. And this is absolutely zero disrespect to, to, to Luis Elizondo or, or anybody that would differ in that opinion. In my opinion, I do not think it would be uh, in everybody's best interest if Lou was reinstated in that position simply because – uh, I think for a lot of people and, a, and a, particularly a lot of people who are critical of the topic or maybe uh, you know very skeptical of, of this is something even needs to be looked into We, we already know Lou's position we already know uh, his feelings on the topic. I think it would be much more impactful to find somebody who is willing to objectively look at it legitimately uh, that, that their credentials their, uh, they are beyond repute. <laughs> you know they are uh, trustworthy. We know that they're they're willing to do it because I think at the end of the day, if you're going to come out with uh, any type of evidence or any kind of statement that uh, could have significant implications or ramifications, I think if you've got somebody there that's coming in detached with those kind of credentials, that's going to carry so much more weight. And again, that's not a slight at Luiz I think you know, he he was doing it for years and and. He absolutely could. I, I'm more considering on the idea of uh, you know how successful can the office be, and and when they reach out for resources or help, if you've got somebody that that has a background that doesn't have a UFO background <laughs> established, I liken it maybe to how when they brought in J. and Hynek when he came into Blue Book, you know he did not, you know he was an astronomer, he was an academic, he did not have a UFO interest, and so when he kind of suddenly after looking at it all, started to believe there was something to that, to me, that's more impactful because they're coming into it without uh, already having that information. Uh, all of that said that, that do I think that, that Lou Elizondo should be involved in it? Uh, you know, absolutely. It's one of things where he's already been involved for years. He already has a lot of background in it. So uh, you know, if I was that person running that office, coming in as that objective person, I certainly would want him involved in some capacity regardless.
1: I don't think Lou would see that as a slight at all because he himself, when he went into his position, what was that person, wasn't he? Yeah. He went into his role with no UFO, you know, love or background. I mean, he only saw close encounters of the third kind last year. You know that that mm-hmm. was that he went in with that open mind, and he was that person of let's take a look at this. Is there something to it? And he's come out as he's come out. So you're almost looking for the, the next Lu Elizondo potentially, because what you hope happens is they go in with that objective background, that Do- Dr. Jalen Hynek background, and mm-hmm. they realise there's something to it. And and that pushes things forward, hopefully, hopefully. Hopefully. Um, Two more questions, Tim, then we can wrap up. Um, this one, I'll, I'll read um, pretty much verbatim. Uh, J5 Alive says, As an American whose taxes are paying for all these ridiculous morons in our government, how many more do you believe there are? How can we get rid of them? How much UFO information do you think is being bottlenecked because of the petty crap?
0: To the latter part, I would say a lot, <laughs> you know, a lot of information at a multitude of levels, not just high level. So do you see a, a obstruction of, of information being released, of, of videos or reports and that type of thing? I think that indeed that uh, occurs. Uh, but then I think there's also the obstruction in the um setting the tone of this is something that you don't want to report or if you do film it on your, your your sensors or whatever just erase that like it's not something we keep around don't you know don't keep it around so there's those two kind of folks there in terms of how many people oh, yeah i don't know you know certainly gary reed is not the first nor last um and you know it's it, uh i can't stress enough that in my experience it, it is almost uh Always in the worst situations, the behavior of the people who are in power and able to, to get away with them and do them. The people that are at the next level below. So even in senior positions, such as like where Lou Elizondo was in the U.S. government, it's called GS General Service Employees uh, instead of SES Sec, uh, Senior Executive Service Employees. So at the GS level and below, uh, you know, my experience is these are people who who are wholly you know committed to their job, do their job. Um, do their job well, um they they want to do a good job and they're focused on that. And then it's usually the upper level that you get past where people get either drunk on power or they start getting interested in all sorts of other things. And in Mr. Reed's case, uh women seem to be a, a pretty big vice of his. Um, and that's where you start to see this, this type of behavior. And I you know, how can you how can you you Help continue to eradicate that. I think it is, you know, doing what people have been doing, or doing what we're doing, which is looking into it thoroughly, trying to investigate it, trying to bring light to it, and trying to bring light to it behind, uh, you know, with facts that can substantiate that. You know, Reed was dismissed from that position just prior to our publication, but had he not been, we were still going to publish this. But you know, in my opinion, that's kind of how you go about it. Is uh, you can't just say. You know, there's senior people who are blocking this effort. There's senior people who are just corrupt. You, you're going to have to actually, you, you got to identify who those people are, and and you've got to have that evidence to hand out to to back up that accusation. And um, if you're able to do that kind of stuff, then uh, there's nothing the, um, the the government at any level, so whether it's Department of Defense, whether it's the UK, the United States, wherever. Uh, There's nothing they hate more than embarrassment and and negative publicity. And and I think uh, in that regard, that's very likely what um, is influencing kind of the current uh, unwillingness to want to describe the situation. Mr. Reid is currently facing himself in and even give background quotes that uh, he's still in that current position because it's extremely embarrassing. It it is embarrassing to have your senior counterintelligence person misbehaving, engaging in all this, and, and from that field, be a huge counterintelligence risk. And I think that's important. You know, he's a huge risk. You know, Russia waves a hot girl in a short skirt in front of him. And the next thing you know, um, here go the secrets. So it's really an embarrassing info. And, um, you know, that that's the best advice I can give is, um, it's, it's not easy, but, uh, you know, there are people that are in government or people that know people. And, You know, if they make complaints, whether it's to me, the debrief or any other reporter, and they can do that anonymously and are able to substantiate those claims, then they should be followed up on. And, And if they're significant, like we see here, that information needs to be put out there. That's the best way.
1: At final question from Dave. The rumored new head of the AOI MSG is Air Force Major General Aaron M. Prupas. Does mm-hmm. Tim think that Reid would have had anything to do with this appointment? And please tell me he's not one of the demon-faring Air Force crew. <laughs>
0: I really don't know a lot about him. And uh, I mentioned in the article that, that, is, that is my uh, speculation, that he's taken over kind of the executive role in that position. Uh, I know that he was a part of that office prior to this, so therefore, assumingly still part of that office. And it, it absolutely would make sense because he is the um, he's the military counterpart to to Reed, where Reed was the defense director of counterintelligence and, and security. He is the defense director for warfighter, so the military side. So that that kind of makes sense for me. But you will see a civilian come in at some point. Uh, and I, I really... I don't know a lot about him um, in that regard. So I don't know uh, what his feelings are on the topic. I don't know um, what his, his religious, religious flavor is. And in fact, to the, to the extent is, I don't know. uh, I don't know if any kind of religious aversion towards the topic was, was ever an influence for Gary Reed as well. Nobody ever said, nobody ever described him as being, and his behavior didn't seem very religious, but uh, I, It's still a a mystery, you know, it's still quite a mystery. And so it's either I would say that the in my opinion, the most likely outcomes are is this gentleman is either somebody who's openly curious, objective, and like, hey, this is interesting. Let's take a look at it. Or he's somebody who has uh, he's reached his his second star and whether he'll reach a third star or not. I don't know. And he may just be like, you know, I, I don't want it. I want out of this. <laughs> I don't want to deal with this because, uh, it's just such a, it's such a hot topic, hot, hot button topic. And, and I've mentioned that before that, uh, not saying it's right, but saying, can I see situations in which you can have people, um, who have reached their first, second, third star. They've reached really the pinnacle of their career, which is something that they have been preparing for going back to high school. You know, they go to West Point in college, like they've been preparing for this and you hand them this portfolio. And even if it's got, uh, it can have the the crash materials and the bodies, but then look at that and go, yeah, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I don't, don't want to. Like, I just want to. I've reached the top of my field. I, I got a couple more years and I'm out of here and I don't want to be that guy. And hand it, it sounds really crazy and interesting and is important. Make sure to let the, the next guy know who sits in this chair. And could I see that happen? Sure. Do I know for a fact that has happened? No
1: tim the article was wonderful i would encourage people to go and check it out sex lies and ufos the article link is in the description please check it out please check out the debrief.org make sure you're following tim and his colleagues uh all the links of those will be in the descriptions too at the debrief on twitter and other social medias always good speaking with you tim and look forward to next time always andy pleasure man like steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right inside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a the forehead. Meditated game state full on meta, I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs, and there he was. Like you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz...
0: I jumped back and nearly kissed myself, and I climbed out the window after the elf. And I woke up in my bed and there was something
1: on my head and everything was weird and everything was red. And I out up my boys, they thought this was noise, they thought it was a dream, they thought it was my toys, they thought it was my problems, and I think I should take therapy, and I don't know what it
0: is because it doesn't really scare me. Consider your heart, consider time, consider your space, consider your lies, consider your life.